It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 559 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. This is advanced selling for sales leaders and high achieving sales professionals. Joining me on the episode today is Evan Hackle. Evan is CEO of Engaging Consulting and author of the book, Engaging Leadership, 21 Steps to Elevate Your Business. We're going to talk today about how great leaders not only engage with the people on their team, but also involve them in the decision-making process. It's this involvement that leads to the I in engaging as an engaging consulting or engaging leadership. And Evan's going to share why team members and employees make bigger contributions in terms of innovative ideas or new processes that they can contribute to the company that lead to greater productivity. If you'd like to see the summary notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 559. And there we provide a timestamp breakdown of this and all the conversations on Accelerate. Now, if you've been listening over the last couple of weeks, you know that I've been talking about a new report I just produced. It's based on the input of over 300 of the world's leading sales experts. These are people I've interviewed right here on Accelerate. And this report is all about what you can do to amp up and accelerate your sales right now. And I think you'll be surprised what the experts recommended be the first thing you should do to amp up your sales. Not what you might expect. So this report is free. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your free copy right now. Hey, friends, I noticed yesterday, just yesterday, I just noticed that Amazon lowered the price on my second book, and that's titled Amp Up Your Sales, Powerful Strategies That Move Customers to Make Fast, Favorable Decisions. Amp Up Your Sales was on HubSpot's list of the 20 best sales books of all time. So if you want to learn precisely what you need to do to maximize the value that you deliver to your prospects, then this is the book for you. It's normally priced around $13.99. It's now available for $7.99. So I'm not sure how long this will last, so go order your copy today. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that I'm always looking for your questions about sales, sales situations that you need help with, or your suggestions about topics you'd like me to address on the show, or guests that you'd recommend we have on the show. So send me an email today to andy at zerotimeselling.com with your suggestion or your question or your guest recommendation. So let's jump right into it now. Evan Hackle, welcome to Accelerate. Andy, it's fabulous to be here. It's an honor to have you here. So I have a standard question I ask to kick off all the conversations I have with my guests here. And we're primarily a B2B sales audience. And so the question is, in your mind, what's, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? I think it's focus. I think that they, that salespeople t- today have so much to talk about in terms of their products and what their customers are looking for, and they, they tend to get, they tend to over-explain, over-talk. Uh, they're not focusing on what the customer really needs and solving that problem. Consequently, they, they create static in the conversation with the customer because they're spending way too much time um, talking about things that are irrelevant to what the customer's looking for. And I, the good answer, I, th- I think that along with that, though, is that so much of what we give reps to say is just sort of of the so what category. You know, I, 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 you know one of the you know, beauties of this age is we have all this great content that's created, but 
you know, the sort of the downside of the, the content is that as more and more of it's produced, then just by I don't know, I would say law of physics, but I know it's not physics. But you know, the differentiation between all of it becomes slighter. Right? It's just yeah. it's just the way it works. I mean, and so everything sort of starts becoming the same. And and, and, and products are also more complicated. I, I, I happen to also own a, a training company, Total Training. And we have a learning management system, mm -hmm. and, lit and literally, someone could spend three or four hours explaining everything the thing does. Yeah, but the only certain small amount of that information really matters to the customer. And we, as salespeople, you know, would, you know, you revert to wanting to talk about all of it, and and then you're not spending your time really focusing on the needs of the customer and and having the customer, you know, spend eighty percent of their time talking. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think that, yeah, we actually think we end up distract We, the companies, the reps work for, we end up dis distracting them by giving them too much to talk about. Yeah. We're and, listening to ourselves, not to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which it should be the opposite, right? Make sure we listen to the, listen to the customer first. Exactly. So uh, we're going to talk about a book you wrote. You've written a book called Engaging Leadership. That's with an I instead of an E at the start of engaging. And I spelled that out because people are such poor spellers these days. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I literally just saw an email somebody had sent that, that <laughs> I, well, I, I don't want to call them out. I mean, it's just like the number of major spelling, like they wanted to say I was forced to do something and they spelled the word forest. Um, <laughs> Now, well, Andy, I am severely dyslexic, and I dictate a lot. Yeah, and, and maybe, that, maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe he was using Dragon or something. Yeah, I, I, that's what I use. The biggest and funniest mistake I ever made is I had a board presentation, and my title slide said "broad presentation." Yeah, um, which uh, which was bad. But uh, you're right, though. It's certainly like you know, if I'm sending something to a customer. I'm sending it through a proofreader, and not just a proofreader, but really a, a professional writer, uh, because I don't want it just to be grammatically correct. I want it to be interesting and not boring to read. So I, we have a person on our staff, and she's a communication expert, and that's what she does, is she takes what we write and, and makes it into something that's interesting to read. Um, a, a lot of times, and I'm sure you know this in selling, you know, you're talking to one person, but maybe there's another person that's the actual buyer or other people that are influencers. And, and when mm -hmm. you write sure. a proposal, you know, it's got to be something they want to read. If they don't want to read it and it's boring, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. No. Well, I mean, that's what executive summaries are for, right? Exactly. All right. So back to your book. So starts with the, the engaging starts on I as opposed to an E. So why is that? Well, the reason is that you can be very engaged and not be involved, and the I stands for involvement. So I'm a huge Red Sox fan, and I'm, I'm, I'm a huge sorry. Fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm engaged. I, you know, I I watch the games on TV. I watch Sports Center. I read the paper. But you know, the best of my knowledge, uh, they've never called me and asked my opinion. And so engage with an I stands for involvement, and it's about not just engaging with an E, but involving your staff. It's a higher level of engagement. 
where people and the staff are able to contribute and take and have a sense of ownership and not just staff, but also customers, uh, which I would like to talk a little bit after this. Sure. Um, but my goal in life is to is to actually make the word engaging with an I uh, an actual word accepted by Webster. Uh-huh. Uh, that, it's going to take me a long time to do that. Um, but I, I do think it's a difference and it's a, it's a really important difference. Well, and so that really forms the basis of the question is, you know, how, how can a leader be engaged but not engaged? Well, I think you, I think you can't be engaged with an I and not simultaneously engaged with an E. But you can be in, in, engaged with an E but not with an I. Yeah, so, wh- so how does, how does that, what does that look like? So typical management, and I, I've certainly experienced in this in my life, is man, uh, senior management goes away, they hire some consultants, they go out, they build a, a strategic plan, they come back, and they present the plan to the entire company. Uh, now, they present it in an engaging way, they share all about it, they ask you if you have any questions, they've engaged you in a conversation. Mm-hmm. My form of engagement is if you're going to build a strategic plan, you want to involve the staff. You want to hold town hall meetings with people. You want to do surveys. You want to ask questions. And you want to start the conversation at the grassroots level and, by the way, with customers and with vendors um, to get input. And so that when you finally build the strategic plan, the company has been involved. People have had the opportunity to express their opinion. Amazingly, and I say this and you know, kind of sarcastically, but at the same time, it's a duh. You know, you get great ideas from people that are actually doing the job. And what I what I have found is that when you do that, when you involve the staff, you come up with a better plan. When you present the plan, there is a sense of ownership by everyone. And we share. I share that plan with my entire staff. I share that plan with vendors, um, and I share it with uh, with customers. Now, my customers are, um, you know, bigger customers, you know, B two B customers as opposed mm-hmm. to consumers. And consumers, you obviously put on a website. But to, to give you an idea, and and you know, I went to work for a company called CCA Global Partners. Mm-hmm. I was there for twenty years. When I got there, we were very, very small. We grew to $10 billion. In 20 years, we had an average 29% growth rate. And our primary business was co-ops and franchises. So when you run a co-op and you run a franchise, you have a great relationship with these companies, but they're not required. They're not like an employee where if you don't do this, you're fired. Uh, They're people that you have to convince. You have to uh, get to support, get to buy in. So this concept of engagement uh, is just really powerful because everyone buys in, everyone supports, everyone's rowing in the same direction. When you take this idea into regular business, and I've done this with tons of my clients, it's transformative because the, the company and people start seeing things and the management never ever sees. And those ideas are incredibly valuable and when everyone feels valued, that, they, that their opinion has been asked, that they know what the company's doing, where the company's going, they're all going to work together. If something's not going right, they're going to say, hey, you know, our plan was to do this, but this isn't going. And the, the organization is going to is going to perform at a much higher level. And it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, when I was reading your book, I mean, it, it struck me that 
to this point that you just made specifically is that you know it reminded me some of some sales books that good sales books I've read recently that it's like okay you know this is this is pretty fundamental and yet <laughs> and yet we people don't do it people don't do it so yeah. so what's what's keeping managers leaders company leaders and so on from involving their people they're afraid they're afraid that they're going to be exposed as a fraud and i know i say that in kind of a cold callous way and, and it's a term that people don't normally use and and i'm definitely doing it on tension in, intentionally because mm-hmm. it's such an important point but people have a fear and it's nothing to do with who they are uh, the most competent people in the world, uh, myself, every now and then, I get this feeling like, oh, someone's going to expose me as a fraud. Exactly. Uh, it's, a, it's a natural human feeling, and they have a feeling when they ask for advice that um, they're going to get people giving ideas that are different than theirs, and then other people in management are going to say, well, boy, your staff came up with all these ideas. Why didn't you think of these things? And they're going to feel foolish or dumb. Um, however, the reverse happens. Uh, people are so impressed that you're asking for ideas. Uh, you, if you're getting reviewed as a manager, uh, you're going to get more positive reviews. Your management team is going to think that you're really inspiring your team, inspiring your leadership, and, and it is totally the opposite. Uh, I had one example with, with a client I was working with who told me that they didn't like to engage staff because the staff looked up to them as if they knew everything, right. and by asking for their help and asking questions, it exposed that they didn't know everything. <laughs> and, you know, I, which, you know, which I, I'm sure you run into all the time. I mean, I, I run into that yeah. all the time when, when, you know, I may be contacted by a VP of sales at a, an organization who, you know, wants to learn about what I do, how I can help them, how I can help transform their, their sales results. But then at the end of the day, the biggest objection is always, well, yeah, it's going to be kind of hard because the boss expects me to know all this stuff. Well, and you know, what's, what's really hard as a consultant is you go out and you build a plan and then the people don't support the plan. And I know in my life prior to being a consultant, mm-hmm. uh, we would hire consultants and they would go and they would interview people and then they had the big meeting, the big unveiling. <laughs> and so you come to the big un- unveiling and then, of course, everyone would see the obvious mistakes and poke holes and focus on that than maybe the really brilliant ideas that were there. Um, I worked with a, a Fortune 15 company. So we're talking uh, at the time, they're bigger than this now, about $140 billion in sales. Mm-hmm. So it's a big company. And they, they had a franchise division. And they hired me to help them with a strategic plan. And they showed me the work that Bain had done. They showed me the work that McKenzie had done. By the way, they paid them a lot more than they paid me. Sure, of course. And I was told universally by the entire staff that no one ever did a single thing out of these books. Um, and that uh, undoubtedly whatever plan I came up with was absolutely not a chance was going to work. And we, we started doing town hall meetings with their, with their customers, their franchisees. Um, and we met and did team meetings with all their staff and people. And then when we got to the point that we were ready to build the plan, instead of us building a plan, we created workshops with their senior management, depending on the different departments of this organization. And we built the plan together. 
And then when we made the unveiling to management, instead of me making the presentation with my staff, I made the presentation with their team. So their head of marketing presented the marketing parts and their head of training presented the training and their head of product presented the product part. So instead of having a presentation made by consultants, it was actually a presentation made by the consultants and the team. And the guy that told me nothing would ever work, he said to me, Evan, whether or not senior management buys into this plan or not, this plan is being implemented because everybody on this team believes in this plan and we're going to do this plan no matter what. Mm-hmm. And the um, the uh, president of, of, of North America, who's the guy, the, the very senior guy at the reporting, said it was the single best presentation that he had ever seen from a consulting company. And I, I, I know I sound like bragging. But I'm really just trying to make the point of what a difference that kind of presentation makes with the entire staff and people because they're all part of it. It's not like I'm sitting there as a consultant saying, oh, you're all bad and dumb. You didn't think of these things. Here together, we work together. And here's what we saw. Here's, here are the ideas that we came up with. Here are the ones we ruled out. And here are the ones we're recommending. And here's the timeline on how to do it. And, and, and it, 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 make, it, makes, it makes a big difference. Yeah, well, as, as I was reading through the book, I mean, it, it uh, struck me that there's really sort of an analogy to some degree to um, management styles relative to, you know, more of a directive management style versus coaching. You know, and this is a, yeah. big, a big issue in sales, right, is, is sales managers, frontline sales leaders tend to tell people what to do to fix the problem as opposed to coach them through their – and help them develop that way by helping them, you know, arrive at a solution themselves, right? And contribute to the solution. There's a huge difference between a salesperson and a manager. Yeah. Um, Very big difference. Right. So it's Um, it's like, you know, to me, I think that's sort of how I was sort of categorizing the engagement with an I is that, yeah, you have to, you know, if you're a good coach, the person, you're not telling someone what to do. You're involving them and asking the questions that lead them to what a solution could be. And they contribute to coming up with their own solution. And, And, you know, one of the things that, that I do now, and, and I'm not sure it's actually in the book, but when I do touch bases with the people that report to me, and my first question is, are you happy at work? My second question is, what are you doing that you feel really good about? And what are you doing that you need help with? And those three questions are magical because it just starts a great conversation. And you don't say what you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I let, you know, they have, they have a list of things they're working on, which they create, uh, but they, they review it to me through the, the prism of what's working and what do they need help on. And then we have good conversations. Um, and, you know, it's, it's very different than when somebody is there with a checklist. I mean, you know, the, the traditional form of management is here, here's your list of to do's, you know, here's 30 things I want you to do. And every time we get together, I'm going to go, Andy, did you do this? Did you do this, Andy? Did you do this? And you feel like crap. Um, and it, you know, and you're sitting there and saying, I wouldn't even put that thing on my list. And you expect me to do it. And, you know, you're being unrealistic. And mm-hmm. uh, what I coach people on is a lot of times on when they create the list, they make the list more aggressive than I might make the list. And I go, wait, yeah. wait, wait, we got to cut back. You yeah, know, you can't, expect right. you can't get all that done. Um, Andy, if I could, though, and I really want to talk, if I can, about engaging customers. Sure, let's do it. Because I know, I know you have a real focus on sales. 
One of the things that I think is most important is to actually have a council of customers, particularly in the B2B world. Um, so when I bought Total Training, the first thing we did is create a training advisory council, and we brought seven of our customers, and we did a mix of big and, and large, and, and people use this in different ways. And we sat and spent you know two half days, brought them in you know for lunch, did an afternoon thing, had a nice dinner, did a morning thing. And we asked them questions and we asked them to help us prioritize. And, and it was incredibly amazing how it helped management better understand how customers see us and, and how, to, how to operate. And I've, I've been doing customer advisory councils since uh, the late 80s. Mm -hmm. And um, they are, they are uh, transformative, helping customers, under, helping companies know how to how to handle their customers. If you have consumers, you do focus groups, right? It, it's, it's, it's different. But when you have B2B customers, uh, you know, bringing the customer in, in and asking their opinion. And, and let me tell you something, you build customers for life that way too. Because when you bring them in and you develop a personal relationship and you're asking their opinion, uh, these customers appreciate that. I mean, they, they feel honored and, they, and uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great relationship tool. Although that's not that's the that's the uh, byproduct. That's not the goal. The goal is to learn from a customer's perspective how they feel about working with the company. Uh, well, so makes, let's let's dive into that a little bit because yeah, I recommend this to companies uh, fairly frequently. Is that that this is a strategy they should be employing? But you know, let's go through the steps you see of being a, of how do you set up a successful customer council or customer advisory board or, or whatever you want to call it because you know what I'm finding now is companies are even trying to do it virtually and I think that the the value really comes from getting people together well I, I will tell you that I thought you know I'm a big fan of zoom mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of Skype um, the virtual meetings don't work because people are things come up and people miss them um, so um, from you know my my company's perspective, we do one live meeting a year with the with the group, and then we do two touch base um, web meetings where we're really giving them an update and a report and and getting some feedback. But our attendance on those are like half the people show up. Right. Uh, we we record, record them. It. So, sure, it's available later, right? Right, but it's not the same as having someone face to face. But the, you know, look at the key. The key in doing this, and and I, because you do them, you know this. So I'm, you know, you can add and tell people what I miss, which is perfectly fine. Is you know, you want chemistry in the room. You want people that you think are going to look at your business more globally, not just concerned totally about their business. Because I ask people say, hey, tell us when you're speaking for you, and tell us when you think you're speaking for the entire customer base. Um, you want to have a mix in the room. Of, of your customers, or you want to have more than one, more than one group, uh, you know, which is if you're big enough, certainly fine to have, you know, a, a group of larger customers or customers more focused on a particular product. Mm -hmm. You want to rotate. You don't, you don't want the same group. I, I tend to do three year terms and I tend to, you know, I tend to like one third of the group to kind of fall off. Um, for me, I don't want the group to be too large because then it's it's not intimate enough. 
So I tend to try to go with like nine and expect that seven are going to be able to make the meeting. Um, and be very open and candid with the group and not, you know, be willing to expose uh, your problems and your troubles, which I know kind of goes counter to how people think about what they should be discussing with their customers, but their customers know them anyhow. And your the customers are the ones that can give you insights on how you can fix and solve and solve some of those problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then make sure that the meetings are interactive. Uh, I was I was a member of an advisory council, and at great expense, the company brought us to these meetings. And it was eighty percent management making presentations to the council. Right. And the council members had hardly any time at all to speak. So I, I'm a big believer in you know starting up and having everyone talk about how their business is doing, how they you know what things they use of our company, what things they like, they don't like, and then you know we go into exercises and um, and do and do things that will solicit ideas from the group. Uh, we'll break the group uh, up into smaller you know it's seven people, so we'll have staff there. We'll break up in, into you know maybe three groups of four people. And, um, you know, brainstorm different ideas and people come back. So there's lots of talking. Um, and you, you definitely want the participants to be talking. You know, 80 percent of the time should be participants talking and 20 percent should be management management talking. Um, I do think it's important to have uh, management in the meeting. You don't want to overwhelm. Uh, meaning you don't want three people, three manager, you know, three people for management for every one customer. Um, you know, at, at most you want even, and even that I think is too much. I, I you know, if I had a group of nine, I would bring in four or five people. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of those people would probably be somebody that doesn't always go. I rotate in somebody new just to have them experience, you know, get to experience uh, the process. Well, I think it's, one of the real values of, of doing this, especially in a face-to-face world, is is that increasingly, you know, sales are done virtually. And you know, it, it, you know, on one hand, doesn't surprise me, and I'm sort of, I think it's great that we can sell increasingly complex products uh, virtually. But on the other hand, actually seeing the customer at some point, if you're not seeing the customer, if you don't know who they are, if you haven't built the real in-person relationships that, that really can make a difference in the long run, then, yeah, your risk of uh, being subject to churn or being replaced by somebody that is in there building those relationships increases quite a bit. People, companies that don't get out enough to see their customers, which increasingly is, is more and more of them, unfortunately, at least this is one way you can still get that personal voice of the customer into the company. You know, one, one thing that we find is that when our primary target, not target, our primary contact at a company leaves, we have good news and we have bad news. The good news is they leave and they go to another company and they bring us that company's business. The bad news is the person that replaces them has their pet company that they like doing business with and we got a 50-50 shot of losing them Yeah, because that other person has that relationship. So from our perspective, our goal is to have multiple relationships within the organization so that if one person goes, there are two or three other people that are going to say, no, this is a great company. You know, I know you got this other company, you ought, but you ought to give them a chance um, because that's, that's, the risk we, that's the risk we have. Sure. So once you have a client, I'll ask you, once you have a, a client, how often do you go visit them? 
Myself personally? Or somebody from your organization. I, I would say that we, we probably visit our clients, and I, this is going to sound bad, and I don't want it to sound bad, but I also <laughs> don't want to lie. Okay. Um, we probably have a major meeting with our clients in person once a year, and then we generally meet them once or twice a year at trade shows. Mm-hmm. Where they're coming to the trade shows, and we're meeting with the trade shows. Sure. Now, it depends on the, you know, the, where we are with the client. If it's a new client, there's probably a series of meetings that we're going to do with them. We do a thing called the DACUM, the Design Curriculum Workshop, where we're coming out and we're doing a workshop with their team. Um, and we certainly do, we try to do everything we can by Zoom. That's, you know, if we can Zoom with a client, we try to Zoom with a client. Um, we do have quarterly team meetings where we review everything that's going on with all the people within the organization. And then when we're working on projects where we're, so we, the, our training company has uh, a technology where we host training for our clients and then we develop separately e-learning and it, we, you know, our, our, we build very interactive, really high quality learning. Our prop, our project managers will have weekly meetings when we're in development um, because, you know, the, those projects are big, they're vast, they're complicated. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of great relationships building there. But, you know, the strictly coming out meeting we do once a year and, and, and maybe I'm thinking we should do more of it. Uh, but that's that's what we're doing. What, what, are you, what have you been finding? What do you, what do you recommend? Well, again, it depends on the the level of engagement and and you know how often people are at the account. But I think from a especially a smaller company, right, is is that one of the real key things that buyers look for is yeah, I'm working with a small company. I used to get a lot of exposure to the CEO. Now suddenly they think they're too big, and that person doesn't come out very frequently. And so I think yeah. that's one of the things that really has to be managed. And this is you know I think when you're talking about being engaged and engaged and keeping your customers involved is, you know, if you take away what they perceive as that exposure to the top levels of your organization, then it becomes problematic. So you sort of have to really play that by ear, but it needs to take place. And for many companies, it's, you know, they just need to make it happen. The the difficulty, and, and this I think is different by company, for us is our clients are all over the place. So we have very few local clients, mm-hmm. per se. Um, you know, we have clients in Detroit. We got clients in you know California. We got clients all all over the place. Um, so it's not like a matter of you know picking up the phone and let's have dinner or let's have lunch. Um, you know, it it it's uh, and that and that's why it doesn't probably happen as often. Well, I always uh, remember that old United Airlines commercial that. Is going to date me, yeah. but you're, you yeah, know the one. I, you know the one I'm talking I about, do. right? I do. I, yeah, I where mean, the yeah. people don't. You know, a CEO comes into a room and and uh, he's got a yeah, at that time physical airline <laughs> tickets. He had a bunch of airline yeah, tickets in his hand. He passes them out leader. to a senior manager and said, "You know, our biggest, longest term client just fired us." The one thing that we are very good at is if we're going to a city to visit a client to do a day come or do something is to visit other clients in that city at that time. Which is great. Um, and, and our team really is good at, look, at looking to do that. And we are very fortunate because there are our number one form of new leads for us is trade shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
our clients go to trade shows. So you get to see them quite frequently at the trade show, which gives you those extra touches. And one of the cool things on trade shows is, you know, how many times one of our customers is pulling a friend over to our booth saying, hey, you got to meet these people, um, you know, which, which, make, which, makes a, which makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think trade shows are great. And especially if you, you I know people are probably, you know, made people shiver in their skins when I said that. But, but if, if you organize them properly, you know, if you, oh, know yeah. if you know your customers are coming, if you set up times to actually meet them so it's not left to being ad hoc, you know, meeting in the bar, in the hallway of the, of the trade show exhibit, yeah, incredibly valuable way to spend time with clients. Yeah, no, it is. It is. All right. Well, Evan, we're running out of time, unfortunately. But um, did you have another point you were going to make? I didn't want to interrupt you. Well, I, I just, uh, just want to thank you for the time. I've enjoyed the conversation. I have a feeling that the two of us could talk for hours. So it's been a pleasure. I think, I think we could. We'll, we'll do it again. So oh, um, tell people how to learn more about your company, your companies, actually, including your training company, as well as get in touch with you. Okay. I have two companies. I have Engage Consulting, Engage with an I. So it's I-N-G-A-G-E dot net. And we focus on improving relationships. So we work a lot with franchisors. We work a lot with manufacturers, with dealers or distributors with dealers. We work with co-ops. Um, and then we have a training company called Total Training. And Total Training makes effective training easy. And we're a full-service training company based out of Charlotte. I, I'm based out of, outside of Boston with a consulting business. And Total is T-O-R-T-A-L dot net. Think of portal, but with a T for training. That's how Tortal's name came about. And so it's, think of it as a training portal. Um, and certainly uh, my email is ehackel, H-A-C-K-E-L, at engage.net, spelled with an I. And uh, please go to the website. If, you, if you're interested in my book, it's available on amazon.com. Or you can go on my website um, and you know click on the book. And by the way, free gift. And I should tell people about this. Sure. Um, I actually have a leader's guide on how to create engagement within the organization. It's a PDF download. If you go to my website and you follow the information on the book, you can get the leader's guide for the book. And it is totally usable whether you buy the book or not. Um, so that's my free gift to everyone. And, uh, you know, certainly encourage people to reach out and connect. That's what, that's what this is all about. Well, great. Well, Evan, again, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been my pleasure. And friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Make sure you come back, join us for the next great episode of Accelerate. Until then, I appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast. Also, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, let us know what we could do to improve and make this more valuable experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 